be a good boy and stay on time. <laughs> this over here. Everybody in this room did something that you do every day, multiple times, and that's make a choice. You decided to come tonight. You decided to enjoy yourself. Or maybe you decided to come and not enjoy yourself eating the food. But either way, you made choices. Life is full of those things. And, you know, it's when Pastor first asked me uh, a month and a half, two months ago, whatever it was, to if I could prepare for this tonight, as soon as he did that, I, I got the basic thought of what I wanted to speak on. But, but that's when the problem starts. Then I had all these choices I had to make about whether I was going to speak on choices or not. <laughs> and where that was going to go, which rabbit hole was I going to go down, or which trail, or which uh, fork in the road, as the road in the wood point talks about. You know, you can't do everything. You've got to make a choice. You either have to go left or right in life. You have to take this job or that job. You have to marry this person or that person. Or stay single. You do have another choice. But that one's not as good. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, what I wanted to do is really get you thinking about that. Everything in life is a choice. God calls us. We have to make a choice whether or not we're going to respond. And we're going to have to pay a price for whatever, we, whichever choice we make. Um, one of the first choices you, you might have had to make today was, uh, am I going to get out of bed? You know, or am I going to sit here a little bit longer? But, or is, is today a good day for work? Or is golf better? Or fishing better? But, you know, practically speaking, we have to do many things that we don't want to do just because life is life. But one thing as Christians we do have to do, we have to make ourselves be put into a position where we can hear God's voice for our life so that we can make godly choices. If we don't hear his voice, if we don't make godly choices, we're going to reap some severe consequences that will not be good for us eternally or even in this life. And every day people, you see them on the side of the road, you see them in businesses, you see them on politic, in politics, on the news, they make bad choices. Some of them are being handcuffed and hauled away because of those choices. And then you see other people seemingly unknown to anybody making godly choices and impacting hundreds and thousands of people. You know, just a little thing that they do here and there. One thing I want to be able to do is when I make a choice about how I'm going to get up every day, I want to get up with an attitude like it says in uh, Psalms 118.24. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to be able to have that kind of an attitude because individual is not fun. Y'all know that. You know, it's just, it's not a good choice. If you take this other job, let's say you have two jobs presented to you, and you, the obvious wisdom says, which one pays more? Which one has the best schedule? But the, the real wisdom has to be from God. Which one do I want you in? Which one does God want you to be in? Where will you benefit the kingdom of God by making the right choice? 
and who you will speak to. Um, so every every choice you make, you know, don't take that thought lightly. I mean, everything you do every day is a choice. It can be profitable or it can be non-profitable. So how do you go about deciding those choices? You know, large ones, small ones, the little trivial mundane things. You have to have the heart and the mind of God working in you to make the right choice. Jesus exhibited, you know, in, in uh, John 5, uh, just to read a couple verses of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he said in, uh, this is when he was, uh, he had healed the, the, the cripple and said, take up your bed and walk. And, and when it says, who is the man that said to you, take up your bed and walk? And he said, um, he didn't know who it was because Jesus had left him. But they, later on, he found Jesus in the temple, said to him, see you have been ready well, send no more lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus that had made him well. And then the Jews sought to persecute Jesus and sought to kill him. But he goes on in verse 19, the key point I wanted you to see was when Jesus was answering the people, you know, they're asking how he had that authority to do that. He had to have a, a reason to know to do it. He says, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees, what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. And then in verse 30 of the same chapter, he says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. So he found out God's will, and he, um, I, I knew this was going to happen. This timer goes <laughs> blank on me. Okay, still working though. And I still got most of my time left. So he spent time with God. As it, we always see these stories about where after he had been ministering to a group of people, he would send everybody away and he would go up alone on the side of a mountain or whatever to pray. And sometimes he'd be there all night praying, just he and God. Uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he went up there with the disciples. He went up there and he would, he found some more information out because it talks about how he met and he was in the middle of being transfigured and Moses and Elijah were there. They were talking about the things he was going to accomplish when he went to Jerusalem, about his persecution, about his death. So he learned about the future by spending time in the presence of God on the mount. But in this case, the, the, the disciples, three of them were allowed to see that, witness that. Of course, they got the wrong idea. They wanted to build a temple. They wanted to have a building program going on. You know, rather than in knowing and enjoying the presence of God, having the, uh, the very presence of the Almighty in their midst, they were getting off on the tangent of this build a temple. You know. But other cases in Matthew uh, 14 and Luke 6, 12, um, through 13, he's seen again separating himself and going off to pray. Because he knew that just the fact that he was the Son of God wasn't all that he needed. He needed to be continually staying in the presence of God and getting his daily marching orders, if you will. 
He needed to know what God was doing so that he in turn could do the same thing. He says, I don't do anything except what I see the Father do. So the time that you spend with God, what are you seeing him do? Are you spending time with him and seeing anything being done? Or are you going through the routines of saying some words that are supposedly prayers, but is your heart not really communicating with him? God wants us to be after his heart. And whenever, whenever we spend our time with him and, and find out the heart of God, then when you're getting to these places of making these little daily mundane choices that we talked about at the beginning, they don't become so mundane. They don't become so commonplace. You begin to see if once you have the heart of God working and flowing in you because you've been spending time with him, you start seeing that everything I do has the potential to have an eternal impact on somebody, somewhere. Some little word I say can be what turns them toward God or away from God. How important is our speech? How important? Because I know my mouth has got me in more trouble, and my wife can attest to that. I have a tendency to speak way before I think and have to go back and eat my words, eat crow. But it's not God's fault. It's my fault. I made choices. I didn't pay attention to my surroundings or who was listening to what I was saying. Each of us find ourselves in that same kind of situation from time to time. Sometimes it's our mouth getting us in trouble. Sometimes it's our lack of attention and our lack of time that we're spending with our loved ones. Sometimes the TV is more important than the job coming up and asking for some attention. You know, they're tagging, pulling on your pants legs trying to get your attention. And you're, you're trying to shush them away and everything so you can be, be, go about the adult things in the room. You know, the biggest of the adult thing you've got is to take care of that child. But you have to be sensitive to the heart of God because Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Well, that's what the kingdom of God is. We've got to be sensitive to all those roundabout us. Choices. Every choice you make has an impact. And if you want to get a better idea of what, uh, how can you learn more about the heart of God? The psalmist in Psalm 119 can give you some really tremendous insight in case you're just clueless. But the, there's 176 verses in that psalm. And of that, they use the words uh, testimonies, law, Precepts, ways, statutes, commandments, judgments, word, word of truth, and ordinances. In those 176 verses, they use, those words are used 175 times. And only six of the 176 verses do not mention God's ways or precepts or words or commandments. So the psalmist knew how vital... And he names all kind of different parts of his life when he's talking about these words, these ordinances, these precepts. He began to know the heart of God by knowing God's law, God's precepts, God's commandments, God's law, God's judgments, God's ordinances. When you know 
your creator and what he deems as important. It makes it easier for us to have his heart flowing through us and out to those that we come in contact with. If we don't, if we don't follow after knowing him to the point where, in fact, in, in, in the uh, minister's meeting that was here yesterday morning, one of the things um, Pastor Lee asked us to talk about, different ones to talk about, to volunteer if they had, how do they spend time with God, the work of getting to know God in their prayer life. And that was one of the things I talked about was that whenever I'm out in my garden or whenever I'm out with my bees, and I know that sounds crazy, but I am a beekeeper so long, but thousands of bees don't bother me, you know, because I'm able to isolate myself from everybody else when I'm doing that. Just like flying. Flying, you can isolate yourself when you're floating along on the clouds, right? Noah, <laughs> you can get isolated from everything else around you and focus on what's important. You can focus on carrying on a conversation with God while you're not being uh, disturbed by everybody else and everything else and all the things on your phone going off 24 hours a day. Choices. What are your choices going to produce tomorrow for you that you made today? Next week, what are the choices tomorrow that you're going to make tomorrow going to influence next month? Will those choices be based on God's plan and purpose for your life? And how would you know that unless you spend time with Him in communion, in prayer, in the Word? So, I'm basically through. I actually got hit through a minute ahead of time.